Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork, and I have a very exciting episode today. As we close out Blacktober, I wanted to draw attention to a particular form of costuming and design that I find so remarkable, so detail-oriented, creative, and impressive. At the same time, also really culturally particular. And this is talking about cosplay. Last year, you recall that I talked with a cosplayer for Blacktober, and I think this is an important tradition to continue for this month. This month, this year, I have the extreme privilege of talking today with Vanta Black Cosplay. You can find her amazing looks on Instagram at Vanta Black Cosplay. She's also on Twitter. She was recently featured in a cosplay magazine, and she was also featured in BET's coverage of the Comic-Con. And so there's so much that Vanta has done, and her looks are absolutely stunning. You can see these from the episode cover art, as well as on her own page. And so I'm really excited to be able to talk with Vanta today. Yay, Welcome, thank Vanta. you so much. <laughs> you made me sound so awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm really humbled. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I made you, you make, you make it easy <laughs> to make you sound awesome. Thank you. Thank you. you thank you. Um, discovering this podcast was great. I was at work. I'm like, I need to listen to a podcast about sewing and I found it. And I'm like, yes, black women who sew. I love this. This is me. And that's how I discover your podcast. And I'm like, oh, that'd be great if I could be on that. And I said that five months ago and here we are. (laughs) That's amazing. Cause I was going through like Instagram and looking through lots of different cosplayers. And then I was like, wait, I think, I think, I think she contacted me about something like you liked one of my posts in my stories or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I think she knows about the, I think, I think she knows my podcast even exists. (laughs) I will definitely ask her. Yeah, I was, I was very excited. So thank you so much for being here. So I wanted to ask you, how did you get started? Can you tell us your sewing story? (laughs) Okay. So very long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away (laughs) in the heart of Brooklyn. I, I grew up with my grandmother and she was a seamstress. So as a little kid, she would, you know, always be fixing things, fixing socks, fixing coats, buttons, little things. And one day she taught me how to hand sew and it was just, you know, small, something to give a little kid something to do. And I loved doing it. When I got older, I have an aunt and a cousin who are both seamstresses as well. And they like make their own clothes. If somebody has a wedding, they'll make a dress for it, a whole bunch of stuff. And I, one summer was over, they live in Barritos and I was there one summer and they showed me how to make a, a tablecloth, just something small for my nightstand. And so I loved it. It had a little a sun in it. It was really cute. I think I still have it somewhere in the house. Wow. So that was like my so there was embroidery yeah. involved in the, yes. in your tablecloth. So it wasn't just, here's a square fabric, put it on the table. Right. So it was a bit yes. more involved. And it was, it's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but I made it. So to me, it's beautiful. <laughs> Those like, kids' drawings where they like make a sun in the corner and it's got like ray beams coming out and there's like a pole. That was my uh, tablecloth. <laughs> that, that, that is, that's still actually oh, how great. I draw the sun, right? So <laughs> I draw and then a house and then the line for the ground. That's pretty much how I still draw things. We are here. We are, we are here. You can't see me do this, but I'm, our eyes are meeting right now. (laughs) I do. Our eyes are meeting. Yes, exactly. We, we, we both went, but I went to to the same art school. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's wonderful. So I, I started cosplaying in college because I'm a a big nerd. I've loved anime for as long as I can remember. I've loved comics, especially Batman, for as long as I can remember. And my college roommate's like, oh, we should go to New York Comic Con. And I'm like, we can do that? Yeah, we can do that. Let's do it. Let's cosplay.
play. Let's do it. And for a split second, I was a little anxious because of, obviously we experience racism because we're black. That's the nature of things. We get called certain words that is so offensive. Mm -hmm. And so I was apprehensive, but she said to me, she's black people, tons of black people do it. They have a great time doing it. Don't worry about your skin color. You're going to find friends. You're going to be fine. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So first cosplay was a bunch of random stuff from Michael's and Michael's and Amazon, but in a mosh pit put together. It wasn't the, again, not the most beautiful thing, but I was very proud of it. And it was realistic. I was a Batman beyond uh, Terry McGinnis, this bat suit, which was just me in a unitard with a mask. And I did have a bunch of people come up and ask oh, me to take pictures. Right. So that was kind of cool. Yes. Now I have, I just want to pause here because I want to ask a couple questions. The first one is you lived in Brooklyn and grew up in Brooklyn, but when your friend said, let's go to New York Comic Con, which is right. where in Manhattan right. at the yeah. Javits, is that where it is? You were uneasy. And I'm like, I'm thinking for someone who's a black nerd, a blurred, that's how I call myself, a blurred, I would have thought that you would have been thrilled and delighted and known all so, about Comic-Con since it's right kind of in your, in the, in right. your, in your backwoods, kind of in so back woods kind of for you, but it wasn't. <laughs> so why was that something that you didn't know about? I don't know. How would you explain that that wasn't something that you felt entitled to or looking forward to, or had been doing as long as you had been doing your own version I of murder? Maybe because I wasn't, fully aware of how big it was like I always knew about New York comic-con and different conventions but I didn't know how big everyone's heard of New York comic-con and San Diego con but to me I I I guess just I didn't really I was also in college at the time so cosplaying and and all Mm. and hobbies and all that was on the back burner it was get your degree and get out (laughs) so right it's a lot college College is a lot of work and time and stuff and yeah and I I don't know. I did, it, it never really, it always appealed to me. I'm like, one day I'm going to make it to New York Comic Con. I'm going to make a cosplay. I'm going to be amazing. It's going to be great. And that's it. And it was like a dream, like a bucket list thing, not a actual, I can do this thing. Okay. So it was a special thing. It was like, you felt like you had to work yeah. your way up. Yeah. That's a good it. way to put it. And so I, I, I'm also going to backtrack a little bit again, because I also want to ask, how would you define, and again, this is a serious, no wrong, no right answer question. How would you define cosplay? How do I define cosplay? To me, cosplay is finding a character that I like, that I want to portray, trying to create my version of whatever outfit that they're wearing and take pictures, hang out with friends, just enjoy being that character for a little bit. With everything going on, especially during the pandemic, it's nice to take a break and invest time into this hobby, into this character that you like. And it's probably because there's parts of them that you really, either you wish you could portray more or you see a little bit of yourself in that character. So for a couple of hours, you get to be that character. And it's great. It's great. Like, when little kids mm-hmm. see you and they're like, oh my goodness, you're Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's my favorite. Or I had, I was Sailor Moon and this little girl wanted to give me a hug because she's like, oh, I love you, Soggy. She's so great. It's, it's getting to be that character. Even if it's for a little while, you get to emulate that character. And, I, and that's why I really love it. That sounds really beautiful because it's, it seems like it's a combination of an inner desire a way to attach to a character that you have developed some toward, uh, some sort of connection with, either by reading the comics or watching the anime. And then it's also it also has an external impact too, because other yeah. people recognize yeah. and see that. And they're like, oh my gosh, thank you for reminding me yeah. about why I'm here. Thank you for reminding me about why yeah. I do this. And I think that's really fantastic. I want to talk a bit about your sewing and sewing for cosplay, because it seems to me that cosplay sewing requires something very different than sewing for apparel. So, you know, I'm an apparel sewist. I do make quilts and home deck and stuff. But for the most part, if I say, you know what, I'm going to make a bra this weekend. Here's the bra pattern. Here's the bra fabric. Here's the bra findings. I will now sit down and follow the directions and make this amazing bra and it's going to be great. 
For you, that's different. You say, I want to be poison ivy. And now I will make that. <laughs> like, how, so like, how does that work? Like for most people, we go to the Halloween store and buy a really not very good quality costume. But for you, you do something different. What is your, can you, I guess maybe I'm asking you to describe your process of identifying a character and then developing a look. Okay, so as a new sewer, so sewer, seamstress, whichever term you would like to use, I start off with, I'm honest. I'm strictly honest. I will say, can I make this? And do I want to make this? And a lot of the time it's, yeah, I do really mm. want to make this because I want to test my skills. I believe in myself so I can do it. With... I think my favorite, I don't know, every year I say this is my favorite and then it's, and then the next year comes and I make something better. But my Darla cosplay, Darla from Shazam, that Mm bodysuit, so a backtrack. So when I watched the Shazam movie, watching it, Darla is this cute, really sweet girl. She's trying to be the best little sister. She's got pigtails and glasses. And that was me as a kid. Like I had big pigtails. I had big glasses. I was a little nerd. I always tried to be like the nicest person and she's just adorable. I'm like, this is me. I want to be her. So when she has her costume, I'm like, this is it. She's an adult version of me. This is so cute. Why not do it? But I said to myself, I'm like, okay, I got to learn how to do a bodysuit and then I got to make the belt and then I got to get cool shoes and make a cape. Okay. 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 And so I deconstruct it. So I started off first with the bodysuit. I worked with spandex previously, but was still a little apprehensive. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to get spandex and we're going to make the bodysuit. I already had a bodysuit. And when I'm saying bodysuit, I mean like a unitard, like, like legs and sleeveless. So this one was sleeveless. sleeveless. So I already had a sleeveless bodysuit and I cut it out to fit the spandex because it was also spandex. I'm like, this will work out fine. It'll be perfect. Ooh, child, that was not perfect. It was not perfect. Fight you? Did that spandex fight you and your sewing First machine of all, the whole time? My sewing machine is from the seventies. <laughs> okay. Before we begin, I always love it when black people when we begin a story with. First of all, you better sit down because you are you about to hear about to hear a story you are about get to comfortable get comfortable so my sewing machine all, is my original yes. grandmother's sewing machine from the seventies. It is a Kenmore Ultra Stitch 8. The manual isn't even with it anymore. I had to download the manual on the black, the the, the, the dark web. <laughs> I had to search for it. Oh right, that's God. how old we're talking. Things on the dark web, I would not think that Kenmore sewing machine You'd manuals would be one of them. But hey, You'd you got to do what you got to do. I, I would <laughs> So that was the first thing. Second of all, you can't find the sewing pieces for the you can't find the presser feet or like replacement bobbins or anything for this sewing machine because it is so old and so pun intended learning to sew on spandex with this very old machine was challenging but rewarding and so i remember it was fourth of july weekend the week before the convention because cosplayers wait last minute I do my best work under pressure. I got to say I was watching stranger things and just going, going at it, like sewing down the leg, sewing the arms, making sure the seams look good, doing a zigzag stitch because that's, you know, how to get really good seams on, on the stretch fabric. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. This Mm -hmm. is it. We got this. We got this. And it was just, it was just a plain basic bodysuit because the emblem on it, I could glue on the, belt was velcroed on and the cape I had snap fasteners to put on so it it really wasn't too complicated but it was me learning new techniques me trying to figure out how to use spandex learning how to use spandex needles learning how to put in a zipper which some on spandex Ooh, friend. Oh, my word. <laughs> Given Amazing. I had a girlfriend who helped me out and taught me how to put a zipper on with her machine without a zipper foot. Yeah, I know. It mm. sounds crazy, but I was able to do it, and it looks great. Excellent. <laughs> so that, Excellent. that is one of my that's, – that's definitely one of my favorite moments. I also 
for Valentine's Day, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a beautiful dress with kente cloth. It was my first Valentine's Day with my boyfriend. I knew like I wanted to make something special. So I I worked for a month on Mm -hmm. this dress and every day I would come home and my dad's like, this looks amazing. You, you, you do next top model. This is it. You're going to be on the runway <laughs> like hyping me up. And I was like, dad, I don't know. Cause yeah. the slit tie, he's no, it's fashion. You got this. <laughs> it's, like, it's, fashion, it's fashion. It's fashion. It's fashion. So yeah, those are my two moments because I was like, whoa, I, I'm doing the thing. I, I know what I'm doing. I, I got this, you know? you get sometimes you get a little intimidated because you see all the things that other people can do or people who have more experience than you but don't pay that any mind because you do what you can for you and you do you go at your own pace every time you start sewing you learn new tricks every time you go and you start threading your your bobbin and you start winding everything up you're like oh right I remember this and yeah I know how to do this and switch this over and it, it starts to become second nature And it just, it comes with practice. Mm -hmm. The phrase practice makes perfect is good, but practice makes permanent is better. And I keep, I tell myself that. So Mm -hmm. I don't get intimidated. And yeah, sometimes there's like tons of terms and what's a sewing ham and backstitch and this and that and that. And sometimes it, yeah, it is intimidating. YouTube is there. Books are there. Asking friends. You can all, people can always ask me. I may not know the actual term, but I know someone who knows it. It's good to, that's why the community is great because you can find someone who will help you. Yes, that is so, that's so beautiful. And I really love the camaraderie that you're describing because it suggests that everyone is working from their own individual intention. Everyone is working from this really deep sense of wanting to link to a character and bring that character to life. And all of the time and energy and resources that you put into it, it's not like, I don't get the sense, and again, I'm not a cosplayer and I'm only, I'm just an observer, but I get the sense from talking to some Black cosplayers, which would be you and my other friend, Aisha Makes, who's a cosplayer, that it's not about competition. It's not, oh no, I'm not going to help you make a blank, 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 because one day I might want to make a blank, blank, blank. Like it, it doesn't, I don't get that vibe. Is that true that it's much more about a cooperative spirit and not a competitive one? It depends one? on who you associate with. It really does. Because when I first started mm. out, some people weren't as helpful and you could ask people things and they left you, they would leave you on red and it's okay. I get it. Fine. Whatever. But my circle of friends, the the cool kids, we, we don't do that. <laughs> we help yeah. each other out. Yeah. 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 So, that's right. And, and that's, that's it, right. it's that's all right. with your inner circle and who you associate with because yeah, there's definitely been times up mm-hmm. to a couple of weeks ago, I asked someone, Hey, where did you get this? And how did you do that? Red didn't even answer hasn't said anything to me about it. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what? People are busy. Things are going on. There's YouTube. I'll find, I'll figure it out. Not a, not a big deal. That's what I, that's what I love about the spirit of resilience that seems to be part of your creative practice. I will figure it out. My machine is, is twice as old as I am. My machine was from the 1970s and I am still going to make it do this new thing. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce this machine to fabric. It's never even heard of before. (laughs) Um, Because when that machine, when that machine was made, there was spandex was not very widely available for home sewers. And so it wasn't, it's not used to that. And you made it work and you figured it out. I think that's really beautiful. One of the, one of the questions I wanted to ask was about what gets cosplayed. Does it have to be limited, in your, in your opinion, to the anime, comic, sci-fi realm? Or can it be something else entirely? I guess that was one of my questions. I'm looking back at some of your really amazing looks, and I'm seeing some of my favorite characters, um, like Korra from The Legend of Korra. I really love the one, the, um, the recent photo. And I, I want to talk to you about your photography, makeup, and hair, because that's an important component as well. And all of the other ca- poison, ivory that, poison ivy that I mentioned earlier. So I'm wondering, does it have to be someone in the, from the fantasy sci-fi realm, or can it just be any fictional character 
that someone happens to see, like some something from literature or something? I don't know if there's different categories. So that's a that's a really good question because I've never really thought of it as strictly nerd culture, sci-fi books, graphic novels, comics, anime. I've never thought of it in that niche because to me, cosplaying is anything really mm-hmm. that you want to portray. If you want to cosplay as Queen Elizabeth the first, by all means, go for it. And I've seen mm-hmm. cosplayers who've done that and oh. it, it's remarkable. Like this woman, I'll, I'll send her your, I'll send her info to you because her sewing is impeccable and she makes, and she makes like full Victorian gowns and I'm, I'm in awe of her stuff, but yeah, I, my friends joke around with me because back to this purple bodysuit, um, I wear my purple bodysuit with a very eighties looking shirt and my friends call me aunt Viv because of it. They're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you cosplaying aunt Viv again. And I'm like, and, the, and so my awesome. mom and I were talking about it yesterday because that episode where Aunt Viv goes to her ballerina class and she like shows up everybody. Dance. Yes, she does. She does. And then, and then she yes. has to limp out she's tired. because it, yeah, but that, that's tired. Yeah. But that's really great. Right. Yeah. I remember so, that. Yes. Um, everybody, my friends joke around. They're like, yeah, you cosplay Aunt Viv again because that's, that's me. I wear my purple bodysuit. I dance around, especially when I'm sewing and getting cosplay ready. Yeah. I think it could be anything that you want. I think you could, if you want to cosplay as a plant, cosplay as a plant. You want to cosplay as Mufasa, and I've seen it, <laughs> cosplay as Mufasa. You want to cosplay as a ketchup bottle, I've also seen that. <laughs> you know, it, the world's your oyster. It's all about wow, being creative. Yeah. It's There are no limitations. That's beautiful. Thank you for that wonderful answer. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Vanta Cosplay a bit more about some of her upcoming looks, as well as how she balances the sewing with the other creative aspects that a cosplay requires. So stay tuned, and we'll be back after the This podcast is really growing. Um, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and ask a favor. If you are listening to this podcast on a medium that allows you to rate it or review it, For example, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Please do so if you're enjoying the podcast, if you could drop me a five-star rating, if you um, have something to say about the podcast and you wanted to include that, a couple sentences in the review box of Apple makes a really big difference in how the podcast is evaluated by Apple, how it becomes more visible. It really is a way to lean into the algorithm that helps to rank podcasts. So if you had time to do that, to drop a little line in the review feature of the podcast, that would be really appreciated and it would help us to grow even further and faster. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Stitch Please podcast and I'm speaking today with Vanta Black Cosplay, who is an amazing internationally known cosplayer who does fantastic and powerful work she is a self-taught sewist, as she has shared with me in her of, her of her sewing journey. And she is resourceful and creative and ambitious and confident. And I'm just really glad to have her on the program so that she can share the ways that she's been able to work through cosplay and hopefully inspire some of us who are listening to do the same. So one, another question that I had was one of the things I noticed for cosplay is that they require very specific hair, makeup, and accessories. So I'm going to ask a question, which I know is a controversial one, but I'll ask that one later. That's about Black cosplayers, white cosplayers, and all that. But the one that I wanted to ask first was, how important is it to you to get the look, quote-unquote, just right? Is there a type of canonical energy in cosplay, and by that, when I say canonical, the canon that the character has to look exactly like whatever the drawing was, or whatever the show was, or whatever the movie was, that type of canonical, or are you more content to be flexible? This person had a red hat, but I will give them a blue hat. How do you how do you respond to that when you're looking at an inspiration picture? How close or exact? do you want to be in terms of hair and accessories? That is a good question. And I had to think for a minute. So to me, Canon doesn't really mean anything to me. I think 
canon accuracy is, I think it stifles my creativity. I think that I, 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 I'm an artsy fartsy kid. I don't want to color in the lines. So Mm -hmm. to me, when it comes to, in terms of accuracy, I, I don't really follow that. A good example to me in terms of my own cosplay is Poison Ivy. For me, Mm. you know, Poison Ivy, she's, she, in some iterations, she has green skin and red hair. And to me, those are like the most iconic aspects of her, not really her clothing. So to me, if you incorporate something that will say, this is definitely this character, there's no doubt about it, then yeah, okay, then that's as, as far as I will go in terms of canon. And so with my Poison Ivy, I paint my skin green. I'll draw veins. I'll draw on my veins and with an eyeshadow pencil and looking at my arteries and veins and make leaves and vines on my skin. So it looks kind of like she's fully, she's like a plant. That's, that's her thing. And, and then the red hair. And I always use curly natural hair because I'm a natural hair cosplayer. To me, I see my, I'm a black woman. So to me, if it's going to be canon, the cosplay has to have some form of Afrocentric hair. If it's yes. box braids, Afro puffs, curls, Bantu knots, locks, you name it. That's, that's how I see it. And that's how I want to be portrayed as a cosplayer. I really want black cosplayers to feel happy embracing their natural hair. And there's nothing wrong with wigs. I love a good lace front. I will be the first to say that. But I also love having my curly hair and showing off my curly hair, which is why I'm I'm really push my panel, uh, kinks and curls, ethnic hair in the cosmic community because I want people to embrace their natural textures, and that is what? a really mm-hmm. big. Sorry, <laughs> no, 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 that's no, a, keep going. It's a big. I don't want to say issue. It it comes up in cosplay a lot being canon because a lot of people will question black cosplayers as, oh, you're not this, you're not canon because your hair is curly or you're not canon because this cosplayer doesn't, sorry, this character doesn't have locks. You can, people can say that they have the freedom to say that, but you as an individual should, should be okay embracing your version of the character and you making the character your own. That's how I see it. I want, if I'm going to portray a character, I'm portraying the character because I see something like myself in that character. And I'm going to show a bit of myself in that character. I I make the, I say the phrase cosplay, but make it West Indian. So I'll add bits of carnival flair into it. Add some feathers, some bees, wave a flag, something to make it authentically me. Because when you do that, that's when I think the cosplay really shows and it makes it unique. And it's, there's like a feeling there's a, yeah, that's right. I got it. This is, this is me. I've made it into my own and I live for that feeling. I love that. I am so glad that I asked this question and that you elaborated on it because it's not so much about trying to be a carbon copy. It's about, it's not, you're not trying to, I want to duplicate every single thing. Instead, it's about, like you said, make it your own, make it you. Make it you, and yeah. I, I, I wanted yeah. I wanted to ask about your Kings and Curls um, panel at Comic Con and how that came about, and what was what's something that you remember from that from that event? How how did the panel go? First of all, how did it? How what was it like to propose a panel to um, Comic Con, and what was that process like? It was wild. <laughs> I remember as soon as the panel applications opened up, I sent all my information instantly. It was, I think I was up at six in the morning, just filling it out. And I'm like, okay, we're going to send this in. And it was my first really big convention. So I was a little anxious. I'm like, I'm not going to get in it. It's fine. I, it's okay. I presented at KatsuCon and I've presented at BlurCon, AwesomeCon, I've presented at QuirkCon, and that's great. All those cons are a little bit smaller. I know the people who are going to be there, more or less, because a lot of them are my friends or people I know in the community. But New York Comic Con is a whole different game. <laughs> yeah. So submitting that, I, 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 I think I downplayed it so that I, in fear of rejection, I'm like, if I don't get yeah. it, it's okay, and I'll be fine. And then I got it, and... 
I cried. I started sobbing. I was like, oh, that's so amazing. That's so amazing. So tell us about how you pulled it together, who was on it, and what are some of your memories from that day? I feel like the whole weekend was a blur because there was just so much that I did. The My panelists, one of them is my close, very close friend and roommate, and she's a hairstylist. So it would have been, it was, I'm like, this is perfect. She needs to be on here because she knows how to style hair. She's great with styling wigs. She's a licensed cosmetologist. She's a black woman who loves curly hair and specializes in curly hair. Who else? And then my other panelist is another friend of mine who... I adored her on YouTube and I like, I watched her videos to learn about wig styling and braids and all these different things. And then I met her in person and now we're friends. Like we, 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 we hang out on the weekends, which in itself was awesome and cool to happen. But she was also a perfect candidate because she's a nerd like me, but also really specializes in hair. So we know we, we've got this like great fusion of different voices from different backgrounds and different strengths in the natural hair community. And I thought it would be great to have their input. Yes. And you get to to kind of shine the light on you and shine the light on them. And it's like cosplay, but make it community. What you've done is that you brought in your friends or people that you didn't know, and then they became friends. And now you all are normalizing this to say that, hey, this is our canon. My canon and what's authentic to me grows out of my scalp this way. And this is why I do what I do. What was the discussion? What kind of conversation? Do you remember any, and it's probably been a little while, but do you remember any questions or anything that people said or or, or were people just really excited, other Black cosplayers to like, yes, I know I have to go to this session because I could get some tips. It was a mixture of it was a mixture of both. It was one memory, not exactly from New York Comic Con, but from Blurred Con, a group. It was a group of black women with all natural hair, and they were dressed as the muses. And I, I went up to them like, I have to take a picture because I love your cosplay. This is a great group. And so they were like, oh, you seem really familiar. Who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Vanta Black Cosplay. And like, you're the girl with the natural hair panel. So seven women are like telling me how they love my panel and they love that they use my natural hair. And they were like, it was like, imagine like a group of aunties telling you how much they love you. And it was such a heartwarming moment. Like I started tearing up and they all gave me a hug. Like even now I'm getting like tearing up because it was such a beautiful moment. And that was tear up and I wasn't even there. (laughs) It was so nice. And having that support was just, so amazing at New York Comic Con, the seats were full. Answer, was, yes, <laughs> and I was just, oh, all y'all are here to see me. <laughs> y'all are here to talk about hair, really. <laughs> and it, it was great. We we talked about what happens when you know people say they don't like your hair and people try to touch your hair, and I'm like, leave the haters at the door. Don't worry about them. You got mm-hmm. us. You got your community who's going to support yes, you. And I have. Right my presentation is really a PowerPoint with 150 cosplayers cosplaying with their natural hair or a kinky curly wig. And every time I have a panel, I'm on Instagram, like guys, send me your cosplays, send me your cosplays and on Facebook too. And that's, I also love that because there's so many people who are like throwing, just throwing me their cosplays left, right, left, right. Look at this. I did this. I did this. Even last week, this, this girl's, Oh, using my natural hair and cosplay more all because of you. And like, I was at work and I'm like, if y'all tell me these things, I'm going to (laughs) cry. I'm not emotionally prepared for this, for all this, all this energy right now. Thank you guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is really beautiful. But it just shows that when you create something that was meaningful for you, deeply personally meaningful for you, there is a good chance that it's going to speak to lots of other people as well. And you are getting this recognition and gratitude from cosplay aunties and little kids who are so excited to see you as Sailor Moon because what you're offering is an expansion, it seems to me, that, that invites everybody to come and play. That you don't have to look this a certain way. You don't have to have a certain type of hair. You don't have to have a certain type of body type. 
you can play. This is called cosplay because we are going to play. And that there's something about the joy play, of it yep. that I really, that I really yeah. appreciate about what you're doing. I wanted to switch just a little bit, and this is of a, a, a piece of it, and to talk a bit about Black cosplayers building their own communities. Um, that's something that I am really very much about. Black Lemon Stitch is a, a sewing project or a actually larger project than just sewing, but it centers Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. And that was yeah. because I wanted to essentially decolonize what we normally see as representative of sewing. Like when I would look for sewing instructors, when I would look for sewing patterns, that it would be very difficult to, to see myself reflected there. And so it, was, it became important to me to be able to sew in community in a way that was free of microaggressions and free of racism and free of these things. So this is one of the reasons that I did it. But more importantly than things to avoid was the benefits I received. And that was the benefit of being with other Black women, doing something that I love with people who knew and understood me. Again, we don't all agree, of course, on everything. Not every Black person in all the world lives in the same house. We don't get on conference calls to decide what the Blacks are going to do on Thursday for lunch. <laughs> um, but it is this, it is this, there is something to be said for things that don't need to be explained. And I'm wondering if your creation or your participation as a Black cosplayer in a Black cosplay community is this, how does, how does the Black cosplay community, in, in your experience of it, in your creation of it, respond to some of the racism that is um, very apparent in cosplay? I, I find I taught a class for five years on the Game of Thrones. It was very successful. It, it, it was written up in the Wall Street Journal and Time Magazine and all these things, which was great. And I know for sure there are people who are surprised as all hell that a Black woman was the person who had created this course and gotten this national attention from it. Because so much of the nerd culture is what white boys want. And yeah. that's not normally, you know what I'm saying? They don't normally center us in nerd cultures. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm wondering if some of, one, one of the debates that I hear about is about canon and can Black people be Naruto, for example? And one of my favorite retorts was like, I know what it was. It was, oh, I think you might have posted this, Vanta. It was about Avatar. And it was like, what, what, what type of bender would you be? Would you be an earthbender, waterbender, firebender, or an airbender? And someone was like, dude, there are no white people in Avatar. <laughs> and I <laughs> fell out laughing. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and are you... Right, like burn and, uh, this and yes, burn. Like none of this belongs to you, but it's true, right? <laughs> Isn't that true? There are no white people in Avatar. There just nope. are not. There nope. aren't. And mm-hmm. yet, not when it comes, But when it comes time for like cosplaying or for casting movie roles or all of that, it's all white people. So like, <sighs> how do you, I don't know. What, <laughs> What are your thoughts on that when it comes to cosplay? Like the idea that, you, that for me, it seems like the idea that some white person would be trying to pull your card for Sailor Moon. And it's, wait a minute, why can this white girl be Sailor Moon and be authentic, but a black girl can't when, the, when there's no white people in Sailor Moon either? What do you think yeah, about that? Yeah. I think it's hilarious at first. Um, I, at, when I was younger, I said, I'm like, as soon as I get my first racist comment, I'm out. I'm not cosplaying anymore. I'm not going to do it because I I can't take it. And then I cosplayed Samus from Metroid. Samus Aran. She she wears a big big suit and everything. But I was mm-hmm. a zero, I was zero suit Samus. I'm thinking of her in Smash is because I made her in Smash. Anyway, okay. I wore her bodysuit and I wore my natural hair and I wore sneakers and I was joking around. I'm like Samus shouldn't wear heels. That's that's makes no sense. She's running around beating up aliens. Why would she wear heels? <laughs> so some somebody's ashy son was like, you can't be Samus because Samus is white. I'm like, first of all, Samus is an alien. She's wow. half alien and she wasn't even born on Earth. So that doesn't even make any sense. And it's the same thing with Superman. People are like, oh, Superman's white. Black men can't be Superman. I'm like, Superman is not American. In fact, right? Superman was made by a Canadian so 
you're all the way wrong. Don't, don't, right. don't quant- try to question me about what I know. Cause I know you're wrong. You, you just, if you hit them with the facts, they shut up. And it's really funny when they do, when it comes to what black people can and can't do in terms of cost, we can do everything. There is nothing That's we right. cannot do. And I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm going to hear somebody say, you can't do it. And usually when I hear you can't, that just translates to me as, oh, I can do it and do it better than you thought. So oh my gosh. that's are how I move. Are we twins? I just want to know if we are twins because that is my energy too. Tell me I can't do something. Tell me yeah, I can't I, do something. I double dog dare you to tell me I can't do something. Please say psych. That's yes. like that's that's me as a whole. And yeah, I, I hear it all the, I hear it all the time. Oh, you you can't do this. Oh, that's played by what I love it when anime. All the time with anime. Oh, this yes. character is white. You can't cosplay them. I'm like, this par- character is Japanese. So I don't know what you are thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was reading. Um, I think this was a video. And again, I'm not sure this was on your page or another cosplayer that I was following. And they were saying that one of the artists for a very popular Japanese anime was saying, I made this. I'm Japanese. I made this for Japanese people. But I fully expect if this co- if this cartoon or this comic or this anime go when it goes to Africa and say it ends up in Ghana that the characters would be Ghanaian that the characters yeah. would be they would reflect the people who live there why would that why why would that not be the case and so I, what i find so remarkable is that for those white folks who are being gatekeepers over japanese anime and about who can do it and who can't that i thought it just seems interesting to me that they are willing to somehow empower themselves as gatekeepers over something to which they have no rights. Absolutely no rights. And when you were talking about Game of Thrones, I started to laugh because I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I have three Direwolf t-shirts. Arya Stark <laughs> will forever be my favorite character. She is pretty much GOAT. She is pretty she, much GOAT, she, for real. Yeah, she's the best. Like, I had Instagram accounts, like, about Arya Stark. Yeah, Twitter, like, Tumblr pages for Arya Stark. I did the whole thing. I have a, a Game of Thrones poster, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. card game. Like, I was deep in it. So I fully understand. And, yeah, people look at you and they're like, wait a minute. You're a Game of Thrones fan? I'm like, yes, I've read all the books and watched the show and played game. Yeah why is that so surprising and as blurred culture is becoming more mainstream to say or more widespread people are Mm -hmm. starting to realize that there are blurreds and they're like wait what you like anime you like sci-fi it's so nonsensical it's really frustrating when you think about even as late as even as not not to mention like wb du bois writing science fiction back at the turn of the century like in 1903 and 1905. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm making a joke. <laughs> okay, I was like, okay, exactly. I was like, oh, did I, did I lose her? Okay, but yeah, Du Bois writing, or e- people earlier, even in 19th century, um, Black folks writing speculative fiction. People, yep. you know, Octavia Butler, obviously, yep. Samuel Delaney, Nalo Hopkinson, N.K. Jemison. We, yep. we do this. We you just you just said all the authors this. of my library that I'm literally next to. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I, I teach a class sometimes on on black speculative fiction as well. So I love it. Um, this is why I, I, I think a lot about these questions. But it's, it, I get so I get very irritated with this idea that somehow whiteness is neutral. That's the yeah. problem. The yeah. problem is. And in, in this, it's a, it's false. This idea that whiteness is neutral is actually a product of white supremacy. This idea that whiteness can whiteness can take on any and all characteristics. Whiteness, white people can play anybody of any race. But if it's a black person, then we standards. Yeah, it's just a hot. That's a bunch of hot garbage. It re- it's it really a hot is. mess. <laughs> Call it for it, it's a hot mess. And I think about is. movies too. Because some of the movies I'll see, Gods of Egypt is a perfect example. Oh, I, don't, I think there was <laughs> one. I think Anthony Mackie was in it. I think there was one black man in that entire movie, and this is supposed to be depicted in Egypt. And I'm well, just they've like, con- they've, they've convinced us because of racism. They've convinced us that somehow Egypt is not in Africa. Yeah, and that it's just filled with very 
slightly tanned white people. Slightly tanned. Have been in the sun for all of five minutes tanned. And I, it, it, oh man, it it drives me up a wall. Like like when you said that, like that Superman isn't American. It's yeah. Try telling them that Jesus isn't from America either. (laughs) And didn't speak English and wasn't blonde with blue eyes. Like all of that is, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or um, when Nick Fury, when Samuel L. Jackson was cast as, a, as Nick Fury, people were up in arms. And I'm like, who, who else can play this? Who, who else? Tell, tell me exactly who you want for this role. And OK, we'll say OK, because there was nobody else who would be just as good. People, right. they see one thing and then they get upset. Or in the, the Harry Potter play adaptation in oh, England. Yes, with Hermione. That's right. That really... That will always stand out in my mind as a pivotal moment in how I see myself as a blurred because it it frustrated me a lot. And I think it maybe had to do with like how I was raised. I went to private school. I have always been like, I was, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I was one of the smart kids. I was one of the gifted kids. I, I, my normal job, I'm a scientist, like I, (laughs) this is like, cosplay is my hobby, but I am an intellectual. I like to read. I like to travel. I like to do all these things which are considered to be white because people think that's not what black people do stereotypically. So the second that Hermione was, mm -hmm. I'm listening, go ahead. The second Hermione was black, people had an issue with it. And I'm like, but why is it? Cause Hermione is brilliant and you don't see black girls being brilliant. We had hidden figures which show that black women are, in fact, brilliant and put people in on fact. the moon. So why in is fact. this such a, in fact, sorry. <laughs> so yeah. why is this such a hard concept for you guys to understand? And racism. it really, it, ra- racism, <laughs> it, that's what it is. And that's what it is. And that shook me and really spoke out to me because I'm like, we are not, we as in us, but we as a whole, as a world are so backwards when it comes to black people we are so of the mindset that we we don't progress we just one type of thing and they think we're a monolith and we're not we're very we're multifaceted beings we have different opinions like you said we aren't we're aren't aren't raised in the same house we don't say okay what are the blacks gonna (laughs) eat at lunch today and people have such a hard idea understanding that And, and i think it's so useful to be really specific here when we say people to go ahead and say white people if that's what we're talking about, because I do think yeah. that it is. And this this idea that, you know, so when you were saying I went to private school and I like to travel, I like to read, blah, blah, blah. And I refuse, and I tell my students this all the time, I refuse to call those kind of behaviors acting white. Because, Thank you. Because since when did white people become so great that people want to act like them? I'm just, I, it's a genuine question. And I think that this is another form of not just white supremacy in practice, but how we as black folks sometimes can internalize these things and yeah. limit our own understanding based on the limitations that have been placed upon us. Of course, black people travel. Of course, black people love anime. Of course, black people have cable television and watch Game of Thrones, like all of that. Remember um, the Dem Thrones hashtag from the black guy who tips, I think had a, he started like the, uh, the Dem Thrones hashtag that kind of put together. Yes. <laughs> So not only do we just enjoy it and consume it in a traditional way, we also almost like cosplay put our own spin on it. Yes. And that allows us to yes. really engage with the creative work, which is the whole point of watching and reading and, 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 and enjoying and participating in creative cultures for this very reason. Before we wrap up, I want to get to the most important holiday for a cosplayer, which is Woo! Halloween. As I said, this episode is going to be, it's our closing episode for Blacktober. So Halloween is coming up in a handful of days. And I want to know, you sound very excited about Halloween. And what I love about your excitement is that unlike many other folks who do celebrate Halloween, yours is not about the acquisition of candy, which has been compromised because of our COVID situation and People are like, oh, no, Halloween's canceled. There's no door to door. And how can we do distance? And it sounds like you are not hampered about that at all. You are like, I am going to have time to get my looks together. So tell me what you're thinking about for Halloween. (laughs) I don't even eat candy. (laughs) I just want to look look cool. (laughs) She's like, people do candy on Halloween, you say? What is this? This is a strange custom. Candy? No, it's about, it's, we are here to slay. We're not about the candy. <laughs> yes, tell I, us, tell us, tell us. I have 
and you'll you'll see through Instagram. I have a bunch of looks that I'm in the process of doing and I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to play up with natural hair. So with my box braids and with my curly hair, adding different elements and Blacktober as aptly named, a lot of black artists are taking all the popular anime characters and comic book characters and melanating them. So I'm like, I'm going to do this for Halloween. So some of my favorites, favorite Halloween stories growing up, Beetlejuice. I've got Lydia. I'm doing Lydia. Coraline, which was my favorite book growing oh, up. Man. Um, oh, yes. You'll see with my box braids, they'll be cut, but they will be box braids. The Corpse Bride, again, another favorite movie. Sally with a, more box braids. Medusa, one of my favorite Greek myths. Mm-hmm. A natural hair Medusa, she's going to look great. She's going to be rocking it with some Dulce and Gabbana shades. You don't turn to stone. Nice. And did you know that um, Alice Walker in her book, The Temple of My Familiar, offers a legend or an interpretation of Medusa as a black woman with dreadlocks? And she <sighs> says that that is why the Greeks created Medusa with snakes in her hair was because they hadn't mm-hmm. seen anybody with hair like that. And so they turned her into a monster. So you might want to check that out. I I first read about it in Alice Walker's book, The Temple of My Familiar. I think that was the one that I I heard her talk about that. about to buy that book. (laughs) The Temple of My Familiar. Okay, I'm going to buy this book and probably... Well, check the summary. Check the summary. I don't want... you know Again, you know, caveat, this was something I read 25 years ago, so I could be wrong, but it's always stuck with me. And I know it was from her, and it might be that book. That's just what I was thinking. But yeah. But these sound awesome. What else do you have? So you got the Medusa, you've got oh my Coraline and Lydia, Lydia, corpse, corpse vampire looks, a few succubus looks, and how also is so how long is Halloween for you? Because for the rest of us, it's just twenty four hours, and I'm wondering how <laughs> long your Halloween is because it sounds like you got a week's worth of looks. Um, oh, it's a, for it's this. a whole month. Oh. Yeah, Halloween, we, we celebrate Halloween the entire month. It's it's spooky season. It's not spooky day. Nice. Spooky season, not spooky day. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. 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 So thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited about this. This has been really amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. Tell us where we can find you on the socials so we can have people go back and look at all your looks from this month. Sure. I am Vanta. You can find me on Instagram as Vanta Black Cosplay. If you look up Vanta Black on Facebook, you'll find me and Vanta Black 21 on Twitter. I'm going to try to do a few TikToks, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's the same thing, Vanta Black Cosplay. Excellent. Excellent. Vanta Black, thank you so much for being thank here you. with us today. Thank you. This thank has you. been thank really you. a delight. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for helping us to celebrate Blacktober. Thanks. Happy Blacktober, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the stitch please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together